0: Hi, and welcome to Thought Bubble. My name's Scott Millward. Here, I'll be talking to thought leaders from various industries, sharing their insight into their area of expertise and creating a thought bubble around the topics that matter. So Glenn, thank you for coming on the podcast. Pleasure to have you here today. You actually gave me the inspiration for this podcast um, after featuring on the Lonely Marketers. How long ago was it? Uh, Summer? time of recording, yeah, probably a good four, four yeah, five months co- ago. I yeah, but I've, I've been on quite a few since Glenn's Lonely Marketers show and just thought, why not host something and uh, get, get some more uh, conversations going. So Glenn, thank you for coming on the show today. No, thank you very much. It's uh, good to be guest number one, an honour. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming on. So, Glenn, first of all, obviously I'm starting out here. Do you have any words of wisdom or advice for someone like me starting a podcast or, you know, anyone listening that's thinking about starting one?
1: Yeah, it's pro- for you, it's too late for me to say don't do it anymore. But um, <laughs> I-, I think... You know, it's it's not hard to do it. The setup can be as difficult or as simple as you need it to be. Yeah. Um I think the one thing not to underestimate is the time that is needed to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I know we spoke just before we, we started recording there. If you can lean on people to help with editing and producing elements of it afterwards, then then do it. But I think the key, like anything in the world of marketing, I'm sure we'll talk about other bits of marketing, is to is to make sure that you're getting the content right about the people who are coming yeah, yeah. on. And, you know, hopefully we'll get off to a good start. But like anything that you're doing in the world of marketing, whether it's print, whether it's blog content, whether it's video, and and indeed podcasting, is the the messages that you're telling, the stories that you're telling, just nail nail those down first because there's nothing worse than, you know, struggling through an interview or a podcast and and no one's going to get any value out of it. So identify your guests, do it well in advance. I think there's a lot of value to be had in if you're starting out, do a lot of recording before committing to it, you know, have a lot of episodes kind of backed up. So you're not always chasing your tail for guests because then once you've got that, core group of episodes and you've had a lot of guests you've got some traction it will mean that people start coming to you Uh, yeah yeah some people you have to turn down as well don't be afraid to turn guests down not all guests will be good
0: (laughs) yeah well so i'm doing this to talk about a a wide variety of topics so I, i currently blog about mental health about marketing about recruitment about general business topics entrepreneurship And basically, I just want to have a group of interesting people coming at lots of different topics from lots of different angles. Yeah. Um, and I don't it's not going to be a, a specialist in marketing or recruitment or what have you I think that there's a number of those podcasts already out such as yours which you know does does a really good job on focusing on those niches yeah. so personally I just want to have the flexibility that I can speak to whoever I want and, yeah. and just explore different topics
1: I think that's that's important is what you know what are the reasons for you for you doing a podcast and if someone's thinking about it really think about that is you know I started the the lonely marketer for the very nature that I was lonely since I, since I started my own business and being a solo consultant. And equally, it got me out there, it got me talking um, more than probably I was previously to doing it. But yeah. equally, look, I'll be completely honest, it is a marketing and it's a branding tool for me and the business indirectly, and it, yeah, has, yeah. it has won me business, which wasn't the solo aim when
0: I started out, but it's helped. Yeah. Um, So personally, I, I do a lot of content marketing on LinkedIn and online. And I've won business off the back of that. Um, inadvertently, yeah. uh, I'm sure the more you put yourself out there, the more, you know, whether it's podcast, pieces of content you put out, going to events, doing whatever you're doing, the more out there you are, the more likely you'll get in front of people, which can potentially be your clients or you could build a relationship with or, you know, um, get introductions to whoever you want. The more you get out there, the more likely you're to get something back. Yeah. People like helping people, I think. If, if you sit in your office and you don't you don't communicate with the world, you're unlikely to build any of those relationships.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And another, you know, bit of advice with with podcasting, and again, it's the same with content. as we discussed it previously. Is that just keep going? You've got to be consistent. You, you know, you might not get a thousand downloads of your first ten episodes, but yeah, it, it builds up over time. And the beauty of podcast, as long as you're not talking about current affairs is that the conversations won't go out of date, especially if they're story-type yeah, yeah, yeah. conversations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that just the fact that you've got a platform to discuss what you want to discuss and, and reach people that you probably wouldn't have been able to have a conversation with in the past, I just think that's a really powerful thing for someone.
1: No, I, co- I completely agree. And... Do you know what? It's it's probably helped me. It's helped me with my business. It's certainly helped with my personal brand. And I enjoy doing it. Do you know yeah, what? Yeah, that, yeah. That's that's probably the main thing is that I I enjoy doing it. I and mean, I wouldn't continue doing it if I didn't. You know, at the time of recording, I'm up to thirty odd episodes. So that's thirty different conversations. That's a lot. Tr- it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's a hell of a lot of work. Probably much more work than initially expected. Hence yeah. hence the advice at the beginning of the episode.
0: So I think that leads us on to your work with two Ns, yep. how that's been the last eighteen months. Obviously you were with staff group for what, five and a half, six years, something like that?
1: Yeah, coming up to yeah, seven years ish. Oh, yeah. Seven
0: years ish. Okay. Um obviously going from that environment to going out on your own? How have you found the last 18 months? How have you found how the industry has sort of reacted to you? Obviously, it's a a big transition, isn't it?
1: Yeah, huge. And... On the name, two ends. At the again, yesterday, someone emailed me and said, 2 ends sounds a little bit porny," which is the <laughs> which is the first time I've heard that feedback for the for the name of the company. But going back to the the transition, you know, it was a huge change for me, absolutely huge. I'm quite a I was uh, quite a loyal employee. I'd always hung around at businesses for five six years at a time, and I've gone on that journey, and then suddenly dropped out of that world and yeah. was effectively working by myself, working with lots of different businesses, touch wood. But, you know, if if I'm being completely honest, you know, it was hard. Still, yeah. It still is, you know. When I when I started back in June, twenty eighteen or so, I had an know, eight, eighteen month old boy. I wasn't having that regular salary at all, and it was tough. And I questioned myself day in, day out. And do you know what? I still do. I still do now and again. <laughs> and is it the right decision? Is it the best thing for my family? And I think that's natural. And I, I want I wanted to speak about that and say, look, it is hard, and you know, I have I've walked across London Bridge with tears in my eyes, thinking. No, is yeah. this uh, the right decision? And it's easy to get lost in the world of LinkedIn where often everyone can be saying, you know, their business is smashing it and things like that. And that's not the reality. It's, it's the highlight reel, isn't it? Oh, completely. But but you know what? Ultimately, it's been a tough 18 months. But it was the right decision for me from a pure fiscal point of view you know i've got more money than, than i did have when i was working in a full time job and things which is great but the sacrifice you make with that is the lack of stability that's the yeah. kind of thing that that keeps you up at night you still got to pay the bills but you know certainly no regrets would you um, would you say it.
0: the stability in terms of how you work it, do you prefer that now or do you prefer the you know stability of a nine to five salaried role yeah
1: it's 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 a very different way of working now i do miss the nine to five side of things but i'm not sure whether that's just because i was indoctrined in it for for 15 years before doing it by myself so i've had to change myself how to work how to be more productive you know i saw a post of yours recently about you need time just to step back and and scroll through social media just to start reflecting again and and i do that i exercise a lot more now than i did when i was working but you know i enjoy it i enjoy the stuff that i'm doing with with my clients i enjoy the variety now i'm not getting probably stuck in a in a rut, which I probably was doing, if i was being completely honest, when I was back at staff group. But certainly no regrets, no regrets at all.
0: Well, I think as well, the fact that you've got 15 years industry experience behind you yeah. shows you, you've got the knowledge and also you've got the network to allow you to do it, which you've built up over the years.
1: Yeah, I think that it is a thing. And obviously I do use that, that I've been around for 15 years. But when you're working in marketing, as you know, I think it's, it's so important to stay on top of all the current trends that are happening because it will, everything changes. There's new platforms all around, there's new techniques, there's a hell of a lot of new technology now that you know, 15 years ago was not relevant at all, but it no. is now.
0: So with that being said, where do you think recruitment marketing is gonna go in the next 12, 18 months I've been in recruitment marketing for about a year now and um, I've seen how things have transitioned in terms of more podcasting, more content marketing, founders, marketing directors, CMOs getting out front in front of their business a bit more and, and, and talking more openly and, and, and speaking with their competitors more as well, which I think is a, is a good thing. Where do you sort of see that transitioning?
1: Well, I think there's where it will go and where it should go. two very different answers and I think there are probably polarising businesses who approach it in different ways there'll be some businesses who are are happy to just continue doing recruitment marketing in terms of brand led stuff which is the ugly stuff at the bottom if you like the presentations etc etc in my mind the best performing businesses whether this is recruitment agency side or in house with their recruitment marketing will be the ones that are bringing everything together and making marketing kind of central to their sales efforts and that doesn't matter whether you're selling a product or a service whether you're looking to attract talent or you're looking to attract candidates and clients marketing now plays such more of a role in pushing leads and opportunities down that marketing funnel far more than it than it used to. If I go back to my university days and you think of the, the whole AIDA model which says you know, awareness, interest, desire and action is that, you know, marketing now with uh, marketing automation, uh, you know, paid for campaigns on social media, personal branding, as well as all the content stuff you push people so far down the funnel now to yeah, make yeah. a sell really, really easy. And that isn't me saying, you know, cold calling is dead and all that. But cold calling in the old way of having a you know a phone book or a list of contacts just to cold call through it'll work it'll continue to work for people but there's no need to be doing stuff like that anymore there's tools there's techniques around that can make life so much easier it might not be that you know immediate win straight away but it'll be so much easier and I always say and I always push it on the on the lonely marketer on the podcast and you know I've spoken to you about it and I mentor some marketing people is that have belief in your own abilities. If you're a marketer working in recruitment marketing or just a marketer general, is go and put yourself in front of the decision makers. Make make yourself invaluable at that top table to yeah. say, I'm helping to drive sales yeah. here. I'm having an impact on your bottom line. Marketers need to be, they need to have a lot more belief in their abilities, marketing uh, people, especially in recruitment firms and recruitment marketers working in-house is get yourself in front of whoever you perceive to be the decision makers now, demonstrate your abilities and show that you can impact on the bottom line of a business because there's no reason that you can't and look brand stuff is still important you still need to keep building the brand up but there's no better way of building your own brand up than being able to demonstrate results creating good experiences for candidates and clients how they're engaging with you and stuff like that
0: um i had some really good advice about two and a half years ago when i was so before working at Mapburn Associates as marketing director, I was a marketing consultant, and I would do fixed term contracts for people yeah and I had some advice that was make yourself a profit center, not a cost center, yeah, and that will massively change how a business looks at what you do for them and how they perceive you and also you know the funds they'll give you to do campaigns how your work is perceived by your colleagues if you make yourself a profit center not a cost center you'll have a lot more respect within that business that you work for yeah, um, it's not an easy thing to do but i think it's a transition in thinking
1: yeah so it is a, it's 100% a mindset thing you know if you're investing in a new website or brochureware or paid for campaigns and everything understand why you're doing it in the first place what results are you going to expect to get from it and present the expected results Not don't say oh look someone else is doing pay per click advertising we should be doing it because that ha- holds no value at all it's just like we well, are just spending money but you know have courage of your convictions of being able to say if we do this these are going to be the results
0: yeah and I think that that's just taking on that level of accountability yeah. um, especially with someone like you Glenn where you go in and work with a client yeah. they're going to want a revenue output from the activities that you've done for them. 100%. You can't just come in and deliver X, Y, and Z and go, it looks really nice. And the business gone, well, we spent all this money and we haven't got any return on it. 100%. It just and gives I, you another I, level of accountability.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one, one thing that I've learned is that I go in to businesses a lot of the time and I have difficult conversation. I tell businesses that they're doing things wrong or they could be doing things a lot better just by tweaking things and what if i'm being honest with myself when i was kind of in-house and fully employed i probably didn't push that as much as i could or should have because you know you're working with these people day in day out and you don't want to. Uh, rock the apple cart too much but you should I, yeah. I, I did it in the last couple of years that I was there and had more difficult conversations but that, that comes with maturity and experience but yeah. don't be afraid to have difficult conversations as long as you're having them for the right reasons
0: it's not, it's not just being disruptive for the sake of it no. if you're doing that you're going down the, long, uh, the wrong road but I think that if you're doing any campaign, you're doing any new project in order to drive clients, customers, whatever it might be, you did a podcast with Paul Meller recently, yes Take um, fucking risks. Yes. And there
1: we go. There, we've got the explicit in episode number one now. Yeah, yeah. that's that's <laughs>
0: the first swear of the episode. So Paul's a big advocate of take fucking risks with your marketing yeah. and a big advocate of not sitting on the fence, which no good marketing sits on the fence because if you don't divide opinion in some way, you don't say something new, you're never going to get a new message out there. Yeah, um, And a
1: risk, like I say, taking a risk doesn't mean that you have to be you know absolutely mental or crazy or use swear words like like paul does it just means trying trying things differently to what you've done all the time before it's that you know the famous einstein quote of oh you're you're doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results is the definition of insanity and it is but so many companies still do it especially in recruitment there's so many are trying to keep up with the joneses and things like that it's like well, try something different. Literally, what is the worst that can happen? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I had a conversation with Matt, our CEO, the other day, yeah. and we were like, we position ourselves as an RPO, but do we still want to be perceived as an RPO? Is there a different angle we could go at this from, which yeah. you know maybe would reflect our personality better? It's just a conversation that, that we're having. Yeah. But the fact that it's we're having those sort of conversations means that we're aware of how we're perceived in the market or how we potentially want to be perceived by clients. Yeah, We also recognise that we don't want to work with every company. We want to work with the companies that buy into our personality, to yeah. buy into the style that we work with. There might be businesses which would be absolutely awful to work with us as clients and, and, and us for them. But it's trying to work with people that fit in with you, not trying to work with every client that has a budget.
1: I think you have to accept that not everyone's going to like you not everyone's gonna engage with you and that's fine but don't try and be everything to everyone the people who don't buy from you or engage from you probably aren't your target customers anyway so you know just focus on the people who you want to engage with and tailor messages and content and campaigns for them not for not for everyone because you're not gonna get anywhere.
0: Yeah. Personally, I've always thought that, but I think over the years and the more campaigns you do, you probably get more conviction in in having that message validated. Yes. Um, I think that someone like myself, you know, when I started out in my career, I did sit on the fence a bit. I tried to do the right thing, but then, you know, after pushback from directors and from, you know, maybe the first part of the campaign didn't work, or maybe didn't use enough budget or spent enough time working on it, so we went, oh, okay, right. Let's not do that anymore. Let's, you know, push on to the next thing. But now, people like ourselves, we know when something is on to something good. Yeah, uh, and you could double down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we sort of understand the process um, of how it works now. So I think having that that level of conviction come with time, and I think that that potentially is the step up from exec, manager, director, consultant. It's those steps where you have that level of conviction.
1: Yeah, agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So
0: I think it's. Definitely a change in in thinking without question. So I want to talk a bit more broadly just about how recruitment marketers interact with each other. So I've been on your show, The Lonely Marketers. I've been on Victoria's Victoria's. show as well, The Recruitment Marketing Podcast. You're talking about doing a meetup, uh, potentially getting people together, which... I personally think it's really exciting. Yep. I've met loads of different people who do something similar to what I do through yourselves and sort of build, building that community. Do you think 2020, you're going to be able to get some events together? You're going to be able to get, you know, a couple of pub crawls ar- around? <laughs> oh, the-
1: I, I, yeah, I'd love to. I think it's, it's one of those is... You know, me and Victoria, you you mentioned her. we talk all the time about doing stuff. It's a time thing, but I'd like to get people together. I think generally recruitment marketers don't get together enough and share their challenges, their experience, their best practice. Some of that is, especially in the recruitment agency world, is just purely down to the fact that in some cases, they wouldn't have been allowed to. A lot of the time, you get so yeah, yeah. you're 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 in a little bubble in your in your company, and there's this fear that oh, don't go and talk to them about it, otherwise they're going to steal steal the ideas. The reality is, everyone's pretty much doing exactly the same stuff a lot of the time. And in the end, if a recruitment agency proclaims that all it wants to do is to you know better the candidate experience and find yeah. the best talent for the client, the only way that that's going to happen is if we share knowledge, if we share experiences, if we share best practices. And I'd like to think that the likes of myself and Victoria, we're, we're trying to help with that by getting the podcasts out there, getting people to share their frustrations and to validate ways of working. And it's happening more. I, I think generally as an industry, it's happening more. It'd be great to take it to the next level in you know, in 2020 to be able to, to get people together physically and you know have a drink have something to eat and you know ho- however it may look but ultimately it will be you know it'll be led by the the community it, it, it can't come down to a couple of people just wanting to put on an event we can help organize it but the demand has got to be there from yeah. the community as well and that's how a community is successful it's you know it's led by the community a lot of the time rather than one or two individuals because yeah. there's nothing there's nothing in it for me or or no. victoria or anything other than again the, the stuff that might just come off of it in terms of personal brand and
0: awareness. Yeah, absolutely. I really like the point about getting everyone together to share ideas and not to be scared of sharing those ideas yeah. or what you're thinking to do or whatever it might be. I got told the phrase, ideas are like assholes. Yeah. Everyone's got one. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a fair point. The secret is in the execution, not in the idea. But
1: the thing is as well, is like you say, everyone has got ideas and everyone will have ideas sometimes all they need is that validation of ideas, especially in recruitment businesses. People have been doing things in the same way for a long time, and to step out of that comfort zone or try and introduce something new can be a little bit daunting.
0: I also think that the fact that most marketers in recruitment organisations are fairly lonely, as your podcast suggests, yeah. you're know, you know, you're one, two, three... Um, people probably max in most recruitment organizations so
1: dealing with very demanding sales consultants and recruitment consultants
0: exactly and I think that it's very difficult in that environment to bounce ideas off people i mean personally i work on my own i work with external people to help me with what i do yeah. but i don't have a team working below me so when i'm trying to bounce ideas off non marketing creative people it's difficult yeah. so you need to build i think you need to build your own community outside of your organizations so that you feel confident to go I'm thinking about doing this podcast. I'm thinking about doing this piece of content. What do you think? Do you think it would work? And I think doing those things, it's like building up a friendship group, isn't it? you, you You need to be able to have that community and that network to give you that support and validation for doing it. I mean, Personally, I'd never have started a podcast without being friends with people that have done podcasting before. We've had a few uh, problems today (laughs) with recording, but we've managed to get through it with with (laughs) thankfully Glenn being here. But yeah, it's having uh, a support network around you to validate that it's not the most crazy idea in the world where you might have been battered down maybe internally. you know, Recruiters might not have understood the premise of why you're doing it.
1: Yeah, and I think your mind can be... A weird place you know the great book called like the chimp paradox where you have that monkey who's always telling you no you shouldn't be doing this imagine this happens if you did this is like it's never as bad as, as you think and that comes down to difficult conversations you might have or the marketing campaign that you've got your idea in your head it's never gonna be an absolute bomb because literally if it doesn't work You're not going to lose business off of it. You've tried
0: something new. You've tried and tested it. So just give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. So based on the idea of try something, see if it works... Um, fail forward and all that sort of stuff obviously we both do content marketing we're both heavily involved on LinkedIn is there any sort of piece of the content you've seen recently which have caught your eye and you've gone wow that's that's really interesting way to approach something or maybe it's a new topic or it's a really good delivery of something is is there anything that you've you've seen recently which
1: other than your stuff yeah
0: other yeah other than my (laughs) stuff obviously I know it clogs up your feet it's a funny one
1: that that question I get it a lot in my current line of work with two ends when I'm meeting new clients or pitching for the business is, oh, what marketing are you seeing that's working really, really well? And my honest answer is, I don't know. The reason I say that is because the best marketing I probably won't be seeing, unless I'm the target market for yeah, it. Absolutely. You know, there'll be great targeted email campaigns going
0: on. There'll be content
1: delivered directly
0: really, to Really people. good branding campaigns is probably what we do see.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good branding campaigns that potentially mask deficiencies in, in other areas of the business. But I think, you know, LinkedIn has been a great platform for for growing uh, personal brands. I don't think companies are doing brilliantly on their a company level. It is about the individual, which it should be about humanizing stories. But do you know what? I, I love the stuff that kind of Mark Gainsford puts out from, yeah, from yeah. Red Sprout. He has the right blend of bringing himself to life. Yeah.
0: I mean, he, he did that video, was it last week or the about week before? About friends. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, we're two guys sat here chatting. Talk, um, Mark uh, talked about how some people are so busy. Um, and they go, well, I haven't got any friends. Because, you know, you're, you're running your own organisation. You've got kids. You've got a family. Yeah. You've got a, a, a very demanding business. 100%. When have you got time for friends?
1: Yeah. But I think he links it quite well back to the, s- the stuff that happens at Red Sprout, um, there are marketing and digital recruitment agency. He he adds valuable content away from his own stuff that links back. But do you know what? There's there's nothing overly outstanding that that completely catches my eye, which suggests to me is that there's huge opportunity to stand out. Now you know I'm, I'm obviously going to big up on of my own clients and things when I when I'm on board. With them and seeing stuff that's happening behind the scenes, there's some great stuff. I've got a, I've got a car design a recruitment consultancy based out in Munich and they go to all the automotive shows around the world and they position themselves a little bit more as a media company first. So they take all of their filming gear, their podcasting gear, they do on the spot interviews at the shows asking about the latest Tesla or the latest, uh, you know, the other electric cars that are going, and they build the content around that, and that's really cool because then the secondary thing is, is oh yeah, we're recruiters as well. All of the best businesses, the core work just kind of happens. If you think about a big business like Red Bull, for example, is Red Bull? What are they? What are they as a business now? Are they a media business? They
0: they started off with multi-level marketing. Yeah. Um, sort of you know your pyramid scheme type Ooh. stuff um, which no one's a fan of but yeah they just started sponsoring everything and yeah. just putting their brand on anything that they could see um, I
1: think I read something that, that you know most of their money doesn't come from the drink yeah <laughs> exactly it's, it's insane and I think if you can really find your purpose in terms of what your business stands for and you you show a genuine passion for it then then sales and everything's going to come off of the off of the back of it but yeah i don't i don't think there's anything going back to your original question i don't think there's anything majorly brilliant out there yeah i'm sure your listeners are going to come back and saying oh what about this that we're doing etc well that's cool let me know let me have a look at it you know you might change my opinion on that
0: yeah and also when you go well, what's a good marketing campaign unless you've seen the data unless you've seen the return on or investment the, yeah the objectives of it yeah what well, the objectives is when yeah. you get viral reach on something yeah. but didn't hit your talk, core audience so what was the point yeah going viral for the sake of going viral is not massively useful sometimes and
1: and and do you know what
0: vanity metrics I'd say yeah
1: and you know standout campaigns and things that's cool But especially in recruitment marketing is we've got to get the basics right first. You know, it's easy to hide behind huge, massive campaigns and things like that. But if we're not giving the candidates that that right experience and they're getting pissed off or, you know, we're not going back to clients when we said we would and things like that is let's get that right first. And, you know, as a marketer, you can help with that. You should be central to that experience, regardless of whether you say, it's consultants responsibility you know yeah. make make yourself central to improving that experience first a
0: hundred percent well personally i've been going into work with our clients a lot more than i was um, in the first or sort of six months of working in the business where i'm going in and delivering employee brand campaigns evp support and that's being asked for three six nine months into working with the client they've gone right we've delivered these roles Scott, can you now come in and you know, improve our employer brand because we want to hire X, Y, and Z type of individual yep. and we want to be able to market to those people effectively. Yep. But what we currently have isn't working or it's not you know, not been done at all, which is the case for a lot of corporates. And I'm sure it's something which you find with your clients where they've just not approached that before.
1: Yeah, there's a, there is a trend in the, in the industry of outsourcing more of these elements uh, to clients and getting involved, like you say, in employer branding and things like that, and you know, marketing should be involved in those conversations, in being able to manage expectations of delivery, because mm. in the end, it's all well and good a salesperson or a consultant selling these dreams, but who's it going to fall to 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 deliver? And you've still got your day job, so you know, yeah. if those conversations are being had in your business at the moment around, you know, helping clients with employer branding and help them do microsites and email campaigns to help them attract talent is get involved in those conversations as soon as possible just to be able to frame what it's going to look like from resource and everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, things with clients, I think, is understanding how to position it commercially Um, because, you know, if you're outsourcing my time or someone like Glenn's time and it hasn't been costed, you know, the client might get an unexpected bill and they're not thinking they're going to get. So I think it's you need to communicate effectively with your clients how you're going to do the employee branding, also how you're going to cost it, yeah. and also what the deliverables are because you could be creating microsites and doing talent acquisition campaigns on Facebook and Instagram, all this sort of yeah. stuff. And you might not have managed expectations. 100%. Um, you know, running a Facebook campaign in order to get volume rolls, it's not going to work like Indeed. Is it or no. total jobs? It's not just you, you stick an ad up and you're suddenly getting applications. Other job boards are available. Other job boards are available, but you're not. It's not going to work in that same way. And it's building an inbound pipeline of candidates, and it can take time and testing to, to do that. But yep. once once you've done it correctly, you have an inbound pipeline rather than the just random applications. Yeah, you, you go
1: from being proactive you know, from going reactive to being more proactive, which is brilliant really yeah
0: yeah without question i think it's it's just exciting the fact that i mean personally i've come from a b2c background and i moved into recruiting marketing which is b2b in terms of uh, trying to win clients and market the business and b2c in terms of business to candidate really yeah and a lot of these techniques in terms of you know remarketing to people uh, facebook google ads all these sort of things you know if i go and buy a dishwasher tomorrow i'm going to get retargeted on facebook or um, whatever with with those ads. If I'm looking for a role, I'm not getting retargeted based on the fact that I want a X, Y, and Z role, which I think is where it's going to go in, in the future where people, they're going to build up talent banks using inbound marketing strategies. Yep. So they're going to start nurturing their databases, not just through email marketing, but through social media retargeting, through just positioning it in front of people, lead scoring. I work with a company called Force24 who do marketing automation. Other marketing automation (laughs) companies are available, you know, hub HubSpots of this world, but you can lead score people in terms of understanding what they do. You know, you've got Adam uh, Gordon at Canda ID doing some really cool stuff over there. And when you start seeing those data metrics, it's like, wow, OK, we can understand when a candidate actually wants to be spoken to and when they're looking for a job. Yeah. You know, and the- like
1: you say, on the retargeting thing as well, it's like you do see it. You see there are some recruitment companies doing it, but they're just pushing jobs. But you could be quite clever with stuff like that, yeah. especially, you know, talk about the if the location is in London, then you can talk more about living in London with the advert to think, oh yeah, that's really good, really cool bars in London to try and convince people rather than just another same job on a website is delve into the job more, into the location, into the culture of the business and just be a little bit more clever with the retargeting.
0: I think what we're going to see is historically what I've been told the the strength of the data of the database from the recruitment agency. We've got a quarter of a million people on our yeah, database. Yeah. You know, that was like a big selling point for working with that agency. It was when I
1: started, yeah, it was
0: what I think is gonna it's going to move to in the future is we've got 5,000 Java developers who are actively engaged in our nurture process. We've got 500 who would have a conversation tomorrow about X, Y, and Z role in London. Yeah, And you'll be nurturing these people consistently with content you know, all over the web so that you can actually offer these candidates to clients. It's a
1: hell of a lot of work to, for any it's, recruitment company to get to that stage at the moment. A, it's a lot yeah.
0: of work, but I think that that is where it's going to go to. And it should be. It yeah, it's, it's completely to, logical.
1: There's you know, so many redundant candidate databases that mm-hmm. are very expensive online, you know, online yellow pages type, just lists of names and yeah. numbers that have just been put on there over however many years, notwithstanding GDPR, just to hit KPI figures. And it's just, they're not being used. They're just not being used. Such a waste, such a waste. Yeah.
0: It's, it's also very frustrating as a marketer when you speak to consultants and you look at what they've put on the CRM, yeah. and you go, "Oh my God, why have you not tagged their location, their salary bandings, you know interests, you know something's a, you know a quality in them, or something like that, yeah. so that you can in the future you can filter those people yeah. rather than just have to scroll through notes on tens of thousands of people if that
1: cat uh, i I don't want to tar all recruiters with the same brush because they' are some brilliant recruiters out there that, that I know and that, that I work with. But in in too many cases, you know, the candidate is only relevant for a lot of recruiters at that one time, if they can fill any specific job that is going on at that same time. If it doesn't happen, yeah. then it's crazy. And it's insane in pretty much every industry, even more so in like tech, you, you mentioned Java developers or just developers in general. If you haven't spoke to someone, in in a six month period within that six months you nowadays that developer could have learned a whole new coding language and they could have done a whole new project and you might have roles on now that are relevant for that but because you haven't nurtured them you still think that they're just the, the java developer that can only do java type roles it's, it's, it's insane when you think about it like that absolutely insane but I think and it could be auto, automated to a certain degree
0: yeah it can be automated to a certain degree you know you don't have to go hyper sensitive with it no i mean i personally thought about it when i actually got employed at mba so yeah. i how i joined mba was i was pitched a role for one of mba's clients about nine months before and the role just wasn't quite right for me yeah. um But MBA treated me really well and and, and what have you. And it just caused a fate that we had a conversation sort of nine months later. But in my head, what should have happened was that I should have been put into CRM. And then when they said, we want a marketing director, they should have typed in those um, parameters and me and 15 or 20 other people should have come up. Yeah. That they spoke to for roles which would be correlated to that, not just based on... Because consultants move to different types of roles quite a lot, yeah. especially in bigger firms. You you, you move, move, around. move move around a little bit, so that knowledge around that role might change. So you can't remember the conversation you had with Scott or Glenn six, nine months ago. No.
1: And I think nowadays it'll go, and it probably happens somewhere, is that you wouldn't even have to type something in. Is You get a new... Rolling, in and you automatically get fed the relevant yeah, yeah. candidates, like you said, scored in terms of how engaged they've been with your brand, if they've applied for other jobs, if they've read content and things like that, you know, it should be relatively seamless. But it all comes down to good data in, in the, the first, first place. Yeah,
0: in the, in the first place. And I think that the fact that consultants will be aware that the data that they input will now be used proactively on their behalf. Yeah that is the big transition because you know their admin of that individual is always the admin for them for themselves yeah whereas moving forward that input and that admin will impact the marketer who is trying to support them to fill their role in the future which is a a a big transition Um, I worked for a big insurance uh, business before I joined MBA and we did customer nurturing and my customer nurturing created lead scores and then that would feed through into the CRM and it would define when a customer was spoken to and how they were contacted and it improved the results of the sales consultants and it will do the same with recruitment consultants in, well, terms, of op- in terms of optimizing their time.
1: Yeah, because you know, ultimately, you know, recruitment consultants, they want to be having conversations, they want to be developing those relationships, and they want to be closing deals. That's the bottom line. They don't want to be doing all the admin side of things and the coding, which always puzzles me why some recruitment agencies are quite slow on the uptake of embracing new technology or trying new techniques. Because ultimately, if you get all this right, is it leaves your recruiters to do more of the stuff that they're really good at and excel in, whereas, and marketing can do exactly the same.
0: Yeah, without question. I, I, I don't think that, yeah, they, they don't have the appetite to do that. So just let the marketers do that in behind the scenes, yeah. and then it supports you with your roles when they come through so again there's no
1: harm in in letting that happen or if you're a marketer driving to to make it happen because it's only going to give benefit it's only going to give benefit yeah unless you know you're being ridiculous with your content and it's gonna piss everyone off but yeah. well you know. that
0: that is something that i have done but um <laughs> yeah. yeah it it's 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 a process isn't it of trying to work that out okay glenn i think uh should, should we wrap it up there i think we've what have we covered we've covered everything oof, everything i think
1: podcasting yeah branding technology data
0: Same. loads Nothing yeah. left to do now, is there? Nope. Good time. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And um, I will catch you on the next one. Thanks for coming today, man. Cheers. show that. Cheers.